Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. I don't know, I don't know if, if you've found something that God said rebuilt. In other words, let me back up. Last week I talked about how the book of Nehemiah is really about um, a vision that God gave the man Nehemiah 445 years before Christ was born. The vision was to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls around the city. And so he went back and he looked and he saw it and, and God put in his heart what to do. I think from that story, rebuilding is about what God is saying to you, you need to get back right. Because I, I really think, you know, the idea of restore, as I defined it, was when you, when you see something that's not right, and then you commit to do something about it. And so if you had opportunity to drive and look, I know some of you did because I've been hearing some great stories about how God's been speaking uh, to people about what they need to do. And it's really, it's really amazing how God speaks to us all in different ways. Maybe you're rebuilding your life. I mean, think about it. It could be, as you look around, you really know there's some things in you that aren't right. There's some disciplines. There's just some attitudes. There's just some things that aren't right. And the rebuilding for you is first right here. Could be a marriage. And I know that's happening a lot. We, we see things in our home and our relationships that aren't right. And so we think, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to, to rebuild this. And I'm going to invest in it. Now, let, let me warn you. How many of you have ever gotten into a project around the house or around the apartment or wherever, and you got about halfway in, and you're like, why I got in this, I have no idea. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Anybody in there ever had one of those moments? Yes. I, I've had many of those moments. That's why I have a lot of half-done projects around. <laughs> you get in it, and you're like, what was I thinking? And I know that's probably ha going to happen to you if it hadn't, even, even with your life. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe what COVID did was just really set you back, and you're like, oh, man, I'll never get out of this debt. Yes, you will. Don't quit. Don't get overwhelmed with what, what you see in front of you. Because let me show you. The project we're reading about in Nehemiah, and if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there, or if you've got it on your phone or iPad or wherever. The project that they got involved in was rebuilding a wall. Okay, now, I see that passage, and I read it. I've been in Jerusalem, and so I get a little bit of a, a dimension and picture in my mind when I think of this. But I don't think it's as big as what it was, and I'm sure you're not thinking as big as what it was. We're talking a major project. Okay, I mean, we're talking a major project. Let me show you how big this project was. Okay. This wall, I love this. Don't, I'm, I'm directing traffic. I'm parking a plane. I mean, I'm just, what, all, what could these be? A lot of things. We won't go any further with that. Okay, here we go. The wall they were building, rebuilding, 
was this thick from end to end, that's 10 feet. Okay, so just kind of picture it, mark it on the stage or whatever. 10 feet thick. That's a thick wall. Now watch this. How high was the wall? We often think of walls being like that, little, you know, retaining wall, something like that. Mm-mm. 10 feet thick. See that speaker? That's 40 feet. That's how tall the wall was. 10 feet thick, 40 feet tall. Now let's talk about how long it was or what was the length of this wall. You know where the Mall of Millennia is? Okay, you know where Chick-fil-A at the Mall of Millennia is? Come on. (laughs) So if you're not familiar with our area, imagine a place two and a half miles away. Two and a half miles to Millennia. The wall was two and a half miles, 10 feet thick. 40 feet tall. And you may already know the answer, but you're going to be shocked how quick they did it. But it wasn't easy. I know probably someone in this room, maybe one of our students, what God showed you is you need to make a difference in your school. You need to start with your class. And maybe you've already started, but the ridicule and just that pressure that you feel things that are being said about you. You just think, I don't, I don't really know if this is going to work. Some of you already said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, my marriage is going to be better in this year. I'm going to really work on it. And so here we are two weeks into the new year, three weeks in, and you're like, uh, I just don't think this is going to work. Or maybe it's relationships that you have at work and, you, you know, maybe one that you're trying to fix and you know it's the project that God wants you to. Maybe it's something you've seen a need in your community, in your neighborhood. And you're like, I, you know what, I can help that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And you get into it and you're like, man, I, this just doesn't make sense. Well, let me show you something. Out of a book called Visioneering, Andy Stanley wrote this. Look at it. A God-ordained vision always has more questions than answers. A God-ordained vision always has more questions than answers. So if you're sitting here this morning, you're streaming today, and you're going, man, I just got a lot of questions. I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. I'm not sure what I'm doing and all of that. Hey, you're in a great spot. You know why I think that's the truth? Because God's going to call you to something bigger than you. If you could figure everything out, you don't really need Him, do you? But see, God calls us to things bigger than us, and He challenges us. And, and by the way, we walk by faith, not by sight. So that means that I'm not going to understand everything, but, but I've just got to trust Him. And it's amazing what happens when you do, because they actually built a wall 10 feet thick, 40 feet high, two and a half miles. And they had something the Bible calls a mind to work. It's a phrase. You're going to see it when we read the text. This text doesn't answer all the questions about the particular project or whatever it is God's called you to do. It's not going to answer all the questions, but it's going to give you a description of what it takes. 
for us to be people who are willing to commit to visions and the kind of dreams that make a difference in the city, make a difference in our families, make a difference in our marriage, make a difference in us. Okay? So with the Bible open, I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm going to kind of comment as we go through it. The fourth chapter of Nehemiah, I'm going to start in verse 1, and uh, we'll skip a, a few verses in here, so just, just follow along as I read. Now, when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Now, Sanballat was the governor of Samaria. Samaria is to the north and northwest of Jerusalem, okay? So he was a, he was a Gentile. Well, he was Samaritan, which is even worse. And so he's making fun of the Jews. Now watch this. And he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? And Tobiah, the Ammonite, now that's to the east. That's across the River Jordan. It's actually where Jordan is today. So here's somebody from the east. What you're going to realize when we read this, they had opposition from all around them. So guess what? So will you. And it will come from places you least expect it to try to stop you or discourage you from what it is you feel God wants you to do. So the Ammonite, Tobiah, was beside him and said, yes, what they're building, if a fox goes up on it, he'll break down the stone wall. We just ridicule. We thought we invented talking smack. Uh-uh. <laughs> talking smack been around a long time. If a fox goes up on that wall, it'll fall. Now, here's what Nehemiah says to them. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own head. Give them over to be plundered in a land where their captives do not cover their guilt. In other words, don't forgive them. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. I do not recommend the prayer of Nehemiah for you to pray against those who oppose you. This is a rough prayer. I mean, he's just honest, which is what I love about this book. This book is so honest. You get raw emotion. You get real stuff. And this was how he felt. So he's just saying, God, I pray you turn it back on them. And by the way, don't forgive anything they do. Then the verse comes, verse 6. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. That's a really important phrase, for the people had a mind to work. Now go down to verse 10. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves we are not able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So basically, they're threatened with their own life. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, hey, leave the wall, come home to us. So you basically have everybody in their life telling them to give up on this project. So from the lowest parts 
of the space behind the wall in open places. I stationed the people by clans with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. And here's a good one. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I mean, that is one of those moments. Like Mel Gibson when he stood and yelled, freedom. And they began to fight. I just think it's the moment that some of us need today. Because you're discouraged. And you're like, man, I, I know God wants me to do this, but it's just, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sure how to do it. The one thing I want you to remember is, don't quit. To have a mind to work means, I, I, I may not know what I'm doing, but I'm not going to give up. It's a mindset. It, it's an attitude. It's something you just, it's a heart issue. Literally, some versions translate it a mind or, or a heart to work, not, not a mind to work. But it just says, I'm, I've got this attitude. Let me describe that attitude. What is it in this that we can draw from in our own journey and our own rebuilding? Okay? Number one, they started with God. God is the starting point of whatever project you are about. Now, I'm not sure he can help you with the yard, but he is the starting point for relationships, for business, for everything. Think about this. They started, they had two and a half miles. Where do you think they started? I'll tell you exactly where they started. We know the very point where they started. They started, according to chapter 3, verse 1, they started when Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it, and they set its doors. Now, why the sheep gate? Because that's where sacrifices and worship happened. Isn't it interesting of all the places they could have started? They started at the Sheep Gate. So we got a wall between here and Mall Millennia. Some of you want to start at Chick-fil-A? Nope. We're going to start in here. And what I mean by that metaphorically is this. Your vision comes from God. God is the hero. He's the focal point of what you're doing. It cannot be about you. It must be about him, as Stanley, Andy Stanley said last week in the quote, that if it's a God-ordained vision, you are never the focus. He is the focus. And we got to start there. And so what I would say to you, why don't we just take a moment today and say, God, I, I, I just I need you. I, I, you've got to help me with this. Because I believe you're the starting point. I believe it's where I've got to start in order to get this accomplished. The second thing about them. Work was compatible with faith. Work was compatible. Why do I say it that way? And why do we point this out? Because I know a lot of Christians who think, well, if God promised it, I'm just going to sit and watch it. No, that's not how it works. Y'all know that land that he promised called the promised land? that Joshua led them into. I mean, it was beautiful land. You realize they had to fight for that land? Do you realize they had to fight war, battles for that land? Well, if it was promised land, how come they had to fight? That's the way it goes. 
Work is compatible with faith. In fact, when you have faith, work is just a part of it. You're willing to do whatever He asks, and they work their tails off. I mean, it's amazing what the Scripture says about them. They didn't even change clothes. Nehemiah said they didn't change clothes. Now, I'm going to tell you how long it took them in just a moment, but they did not change clothes during the project. They would work with one hand, and they had a sword in the other. Literally, I mean, they were committed that much to work. So let me just encourage you that if you believe God has called you to be involved in a ministry, to do this, to work on your relationship, to get things right at home, it's going to be work. It's not incompatible with faith. It's a part of faith. The third thing, we're a lot better together. You realize that? These guys, what is amazing to me is how this was organized. Nehemiah, first thing he did was he got everybody together. And chapter 3 actually kind of tells you if you want to read it. By the way, chapter 3 is your nightmare when you're in a class and everybody has to read verses. You get chapter 3. It's got every name that is hard to pronounce in the entire Bible. I mean, it is unbelievable what chapter 3 has. But what it is, it's describing where the people were lined up on the wall. And I'll sum up chapter 3 for you. Next to him, after him. Next to him and after him. Next to him. and I think those phrases are really important. You know why? Nobody was working alone. Next to him. And they didn't know each other. There were people from all over that were working on this. There were people from outside even of Israel that came to work on it. It's kind of cool when God starts building something and God starts moving, it draws people from all over. And you know what else? Their families work together. So I got a question for you. Who's working with you on your vision? Who's working with you on your project? Well, I don't have anybody. It's just my project. No. It's not just your project. You see, that person that you need in your life, maybe God didn't call them to do what you're doing, but he called them to encourage you. There are things that some of you are going to do. I, I talked to a doctor this week, and um, she is actually praying and considering how to make her practice a generous contribution to people who can't afford to pay. I mean, she's, they're really praying about that. Now, I, there's nothing I can do to take that vision and take that load, but I can encourage her. And that's exactly what I did when I talked to her. I prayed with her and I prayed for her. You have to have somebody in your life. You cannot build. You cannot rebuild. You cannot work on what God calls us to alone. That's not the way this works. We need each other. You need people in your life. That's why you hear us talk about connections and getting involved in small groups and, and discovery class coming up. I mean, the reason we're encouraging you in that is because we know that your success and your frustration level goes sky high when you're by yourself, but your success goes sky high when you've got people with you. There's an African proverb that goes like this. If you want to go fast, yeah, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. We need to go together. And we need to come together and say, you know what? We're going to be by each other. Now, I, my job is a little different than your job, but it's okay. We're encouraging one another. That's right. 
I think that's why they had a mind to work. That's why they did it. Here's another principle. Rebuilding is going to bring opposition. If you're looking for something that's going to bring complete peace in your life and nobody will be against you or nobody will cause a problem, you're not going to want to rebuild. You do not do anything to change anything. I'm not even sure that's an option even. People are going to oppose you no matter what. If you have the name Jesus in your life, if you are a follower of Christ, there's going to be opposition. They had all kinds of opposition. That first group, when we start reading, Sanballat, Tobiah, the Ammonite, and then the Ashdodites, which are, they are to the, to the west, and then you got Arabs who were to the south. I mean, all around them, they've got people coming and just making fun of them. It started off with just making fun, talking smack. You ever had, you ever had somebody talk smack with you? One of my favorite stories is Hank Aaron, when he came up to the plate and Yogi Berra, the famous Yogi Berra, was catching for New York. He's behind the plate. <laughs> Yogi Berra looked up at Hank and said, you're holding the bat wrong. You're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold the bat where you can read the label of the bat. Well, Hank jacked one out. I mean, literally a home run. It was gone. When he came back around home plate, he looked at Yogi Bear and said, I didn't come up here to read. <laughs> so let me tell you something. I was playing, a, I was playing a, a, a city league basketball tournament one time, and it had all the best teams in the city. I was guarding a former a former fullback for the University of Arkansas. He was actually one of our hero Razorbacks that came out of the University of Arkansas. His name was Bruce Maxwell. And I couldn't believe he was playing because I'd always kind of looked up to him as my hero. I was like 17 years old. Bruce went up to shoot. I just went up and rejected it. Felt real good about it. He grabbed my jersey and he looks up at me he wasn't tall. He looked up at me, built like that, but he's not tall. He said, you do that again, and I will break your neck. <laughs> Man, you know, as a 17-year-old, he's my hero here. So I turn, and I'm running down the court, and I'm like, I'm not going to mess with that again. I'm not about to block his shit. Did you know it worked on me the whole game? After the game, he came up like, hey, hey, great, man. It's nice meeting you, da 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 And I'm like, yeah, but you said you're going to break my neck. <laughs> when people put thoughts in your mind, when they write something, they post something, they say something, whether it's social media or to your face, it doesn't matter, man. It sticks. And they were making fun of Fox. That Fox is going to get on the wall and going to cause the whole thing to come down. Now, I'm used to smack talk because anybody who's played sports, you just love it as part of the game. But sometimes in life, it just simply gets in your head. And that opposition just messes with you. Get ready. You're going to have opposition. And you're not going to just have it from the outside. You're going to have it from the inside. I think what's going on internally with you may be your greatest enemy. Because let me show you, let me take you back to a verse that was describing them, what they were dealing with internally. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. You're going to get tired. You're going to have exhaustion. You're actually just going to be totally exhausted in this. They were. There is too much rubble. 
Now, I want you to stare at that a minute. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. They were overwhelmed. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever felt overwhelmed in a relationship? You felt overwhelmed in, in your work? You felt overwhelmed. Can I tell you something? I went to high school, college, studied master's level, went on, did a Ph.D. Every year of that educational journey, after the first week of classes, I felt overwhelmed. I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. Every time. I felt overwhelmed. You know why? Too much rubble. You know that wall had to have big old rocks, just chunks everywhere because they were huge boulders and, and huge rocks that, that had been torn down. And, and so when they started staring at the rubble, I don't know how many of you like uh, the show Hoarders, but there's some other shows that are, that are popular now about cleaning up stuff. Well, I know some people in my life, some close people in my life, who love those shows because they love the cleanup. When I look at the mess, I want to walk away. Ah, it's too much. I'm overwhelmed. They look at it and go, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on that and just start cleaning up. I'm like, it's going to take forever. I want to know how you're feeling about your life. Are you staring at the rubble? Are you staring at a God who can clean rubble up? You know what? I need to break it to you. Everybody in this room and everybody streaming this has rubble in their life. There's not one of us that has no rubble. We all have rubble. And if we look at it long enough, we all come to the conclusion, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. Hey, you're right. I can't, but God can. Can you say that with me? I can't, but God can. So don't get caught in the rubble. Remember who He is. God can. And so here they are. They're, they're fighting all of this in their heart and in their mind, which brings me to another lesson from them. Remember why you started in the first place. Remember why you started in the first place. I know you probably had one of those moments when you're doing a little project at the house or wherever, and you get halfway in, you look at each other and go, why did we start this? What were we thinking? Because there is a principle around my house that if a job looks easy, I've made a terrible mistake in assessing the job. There's going to be something that doesn't fit. There's going to be a bolt I can't get loose, a screw that won't come out, or I round it off. I mean, there's going to be something go wrong. You know what? you got to remember why you started. You started because you knew it could be better. In this case, we started because God told us to. Remember, look at this verse. This is so cool. Verse 14 says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. So let me encourage you. If you've forgotten why you showed up today, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You, you wondering why you're, you're watching this? 
you got other things you need to be doing right now around the house or wherever, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You're tired, you're weary, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And I know you're going to have one of those moments where you're, you're like, but why isn't this working? What, if God told me to do this, it, it ought to be just, everything ought to be happening. Can, can I remind you about something? You see, sometimes we confuse our plans with God's plans. You, you may have the right plan as far as what God wants, but you're going at it the wrong way. Because your plans are not always God's plans. So why do you need to remember he's the reason you're doing it? Because that's where you're going to get your plans. That's who's going to help you. That's who's going to assure you it's going to work. So you know what they did? They worked. And they worked hard. And the most amazing thing happens when you read this story. They begin to work and work. And remember, let's just rehearse how thick was the wall. Ten feet. How high or tall was it? Forty. How long was it? Two and a half. Here's the amazing thing. Chapter 6 of Nehemiah says, And they finished the wall in 52 days. Days. I said it to somebody, and they said, months? Nope. 52 days. I wonder if the I-4 group maybe could learn there's something here. What do you think? Maybe there's transferable. Just kidding, you guys that work for them. <laughs> we know it takes a long time to build a road, don't we? We know it takes a long time. So here's the point. Nobody would have guessed 52 days. But even their enemies, when they saw it done in 52 days, you know what the enemy said? God did it. Even the enemy said, God did it. I just can't imagine what our enemies would say when we accomplish what God calls us to. They'll give glory to God. So today, I don't know what it is that he's called you to do. I don't know what it is you're working on. It could be a number of things. But I'm going to guess there's somebody in this room discouraged today, already. There's somebody in this room even depressed. I talked to somebody recently, and they said, I just feel like I'm right at the edge of, of if something else happens, if there's something else that goes wrong, I'm done. And I got a feeling there's somebody streaming this and somebody sitting in this room that's there. Let me encourage you. He's not through. It's not over. Don't quit. One of my favorite heroes in Christianity is Charles Spurgeon, who was the pastor in England, in London, a giant, spiritual giant. A lot of people didn't know that Spurgeon struggled with depression. He, strugg he struggled with discouragement. He wrote something out of a moment of discouragement, and I love this. I want to encourage you with it. Listen to what Spurgeon wrote and read it. This depression sweeps over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger blessing for my life and ministry. Some of you are right at the door. Can I just apply that to you? 
Sometimes discouragement, depression comes right before God, there's a breakthrough, right before God does something good. And I just think some of you are right at the door. So today, I want to pray. And I want to pray that we remember together it's not over. Our God is not finished. And I'm not going to be finished either. Can you bow with me? And if you're watching this at home where you can maybe bow or you don't have to close your eyes, just, just think about it and talk to him just for a second. God, I believe you're not finished. It's not over. And so, God, why should I quit? Even though I've had people that have told me to, I've had so many voices God, I don't see it working. I don't see me getting out of this hole or being able to really make a difference in my world. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. And God, I'm not quitting. Because today, just like they did in Nehemiah's day, they did the impossible, the unimaginable. They did it. And God, it's not over. I am not quitting. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.